Okay. Hello everyone, I'm Shane Brennan and I'm delighted to welcome you to our first ever Cold Chain podcast. In what I hope will be a regular feature our Federation's offer to you all, we'll be interviewing some of the key people that run, regulate and support the Cold Chain in the UK. Since we launched our Federation in June of 2019, we've been focused on our core purpose of raising awareness and appreciation of the Cold Chain. I'm passionate about showcasing the largely hidden job our members do for the economy, the environment and society. Our podcast will add another dimension to that communications effort. There'll be a number of ways to listen to the Cold Chain podcast, via our website, links on social media, for example. By far the best way would be to seek us out on your favourite podcast app and subscribe. That way you'll be never sure never to miss an episode. I'm very conscious that in launching a podcast, we're jumping on a bandwagon. I fear that 2020 is going to be the year of the frustrated amateur broadcaster, so please bear with me as I mangle my way through this. I'll be learning as I go about how to keep bringing you interesting and relevant content, and especially how to work the equipment and software. What I do know is that people we will meet over coming weeks and months are worth listening to. They bring interesting perspectives on the future of the industry and have valuable experience to share. I hope that I do them justice through the platform. Now that I've got that disclaimer out of the way, I'm really happy to uh, introduce my first guest. And it's none other other than El Presidente himself, Tim Moran, the UK Managing Director of Lineage Logistics. Hello, Tim. Hello, Shane. It's of course wrong with me to call, call such a young man a veteran. Goodness. But with more than 20 years cold chain experience under your belt, that is what you are. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> Most of you will think of Tim as synonymous with the UK cold chain institution that was Yearly Logistics. And when I first met Tim, he was the MD of the Yearsley Group, running 12 cold stores. Correct, yeah. And a fleet of over 200 trailers. Yeah. However, only a few months ago, after I took over the then Food Storage and Distribution Federation, Yearsley became the latest acquisition of the global cold chain pay centres that are Lineage Logistics. So perhaps I could start by asking you, Tim, to tell us about the business that you now run. Goodness, yeah, and what a dynamic business it is that we that we work in. Um, so, Lineage Logistics, uh, number one uh, temperature controlled uh, warehousing business in in the world. Um, no aspiration to be number one, in in fact. And 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 perhaps if I go back to my time as Yearsley, we never had an aspiration to be uh, number one in the UK. But sometimes you just stumble into these things. But Lineage itself, uh, a very dynamic temperature controlled business, focused very heavily with a mission to reimagine the world's food supply chain. And that's something that's really core to its values. So, reimagining the food supply chain, what would that mean in practice? Well, in practice, we talk a lot about food waste, we talk about um, the way that food travels to the consumer, we talk about energy usage, so it's looking at all the different elements that make up the warehousing and supply chain industry in temperature controlled and trying to get the best out of them. And that's what reimagining it is. It's taking a state industry and putting some science behind it to try and get the most out of that particular and I know you've told me before that you know the is one of the what has been listed as one of the best dynamic technology companies or data technology companies. Absolutely, yeah. So we've got a fast award, yeah, a fast award in the US, yeah. and it's been recognised by the US government as well now with a with an award uh, for its innovative ways of looking at energy use. And you've got a lot of boffins in, in Silicon Valley that are doing number crunching for. Yeah. So I guess one of the one of the really interesting things about lineage logistics and one of the things that I never really understood about logistics when I worked for Yearsley was the amount of science that you can apply to something as simple as running a temperature controlled warehouse. 
Uh, and we have an, uh, an, uh, what we call the Applied Science Group, which are data scientists, and they work out of uh, San Francisco, so in, in, in Silicon Valley, and they're, and they're looking at the really complex problems um, that we need to solve within the, within the cold storage space um, and trying to put the science around it to, to solve those problems in a very clever way. And I guess lineage is a phenomenon, there are, there are other global players that have genuinely globalised the cold chain and you're expanding all the time around the world. Do you think that we are, there is a global cold chain market or is it actually individual markets that aggregate together? So I think, and, it, and it's a great question, but, but when, I, when, when you think about some of the things that have happened in the past with regard to food security, I think if you go and talk to maybe the big global food businesses and you talk to the CEOs about what keeps them awake at night, food security is one of those things. And that can be the provenance of the food, it can be how that food's stored and kept, but it's all about making sure that their brands are being looked after in a very sensible and stable way. What the globalization of the temperature controlled storage industry uh, enables is a uh, one platform where these global food brands can come and get food assurity through working with a trusted partner. So I think it's one of the things that we, we, we look at out into the world and perhaps here in the UK we don't really notice but when you become part of a bigger business you start to understand the real value that can be unlocked between consumers who don't want to pay for food uh, and also um, manufacturers who've got high input costs um, to actually produce the food. So Tim, can you just say a few words about where you think we are um, with the uh, strength of demand for services in the cold chain? Um, do you think that it really has been a Brexit bump, bubble or that we've actually seen more better, stronger long-term growth? So I think in the last 12 months we, we obviously saw some uh, effect from Brexit, however Brexit, in my opinion, wasn't as big a driver for growth within the industry as perhaps is made out. Um, my view on the industry is that, that if you look at um, the, the retailers today, if you look at the frozen food aisle, it's a vibrant place to be. I, I, would, I would suggest that anybody who's thinking, is, is frozen going to grow, is temperature control going to grow, it, it's worth going down and having a look in the frozen food aisle. It's a vibrant place, there's lots of new products. Uh, lots of innovation going in there, and it's a great place for. Well, uh, I think we're in the January, aren't we? Or you know, things are, are changing. People's food trends are changing. There's lots of free from and, and things like that. But for for people to try out new products, Frozen's a really safe space for that to happen. When you do it in chill, you get a lot of food waste. And that's the other thing is that people are really thinking about food waste now and how much they throw away. And Frozen is a great option. Um, where you only need to get as much vegetable out as you need yeah. to cook, yeah. um, and and it's and you look at one of the other things that struck me, and I just remembered this because I meant to tell somebody the other day was that I was looking um, at um, the the ingredients of a, of a ready meal in frozen, and and when you look today, the the actual product uh, and the ingredients within it. There's very few e-numbers and things that you don't recognise in these things now. So I think the industry's done a great, great job of cleaning up its act um, and giving really good food through a frozen offering. So 
You look at that, you look at Bake Off products, you look at lots of different things that are happening within Frozen and, and, and Frozen that's going out to chill and raw material being stored. And it's a very, it's a very vibrant place to, to be. So the demand for Frozen, I think, is going up. Thank you. Um, I've already called you a veteran once, I'm doing it again. Perhaps you cast your mind back to how you got involved in the industry in the first place? Yeah, doesn't everybody stumble into this industry? Is this, <laughs> exactly. is, is this what happens? Yeah. I, I think that's what happens, isn't it? People stumble into the industry. So, so this is a story that people may have heard before. It's, it's one, I, one I, I, you know, I'm, I'm quite open about. So um, I left school um, probably without any qualifications. Well, I don't know if I got any or not because I never actually went back for my exam results because working was way too interesting for, for me. So I, so I went out and, and worked. Um, we had some involvement in the, the meat trade through our family. I ended up being a butcher. I went, anyway, I didn't really work out, to be honest, working for family. I had too many opinions. I think that might have carried on through my life. I'm not too <laughs> sure. But, but So things didn't work out too well with that. But, but I went and stayed in the meat trade. Um, and interestingly, I actually got made redundant um, at a point in time. And one of my friends was a driver for, for years at that time. And I was uh, a young lad with not a right lot to do. So he said, do you want to come out in a big truck and, you know, I'm going to Newcastle or whatever it was. So so I went out for a few times uh, with my mate who's a driver um, and I was parked up in the yard. He was fueling up. I was in the passenger seat uh, and, a, and a guy who, who, who only recently retired from, from our business, a gentleman called Les Green, um, was walking past and he was the cold store manager at Rochdale and he said, who's that? And he said, oh, it's my mate. He said, well, what's he doing in there? Does he want a job? <laughs> and that was my uh, wow. entrance into, into the world of years. Wow. I started as a, as a picker. As a picker. And how long, picker. Were you doing a, how long were you picking for? Um, uh, well, so I, I, I can't actually remember, but I picked for a while. Um, and then I remember that I got called to the office because a driver hadn't shown up uh, for a seven and a half tonner. And they said, can you drive a seven and a half tonner? I said, yes. So I went and... Did that and drove for a while, then I started working in the warehouse, then I moved to night shift. And actually the, the thing that launched my career was they had a, um, a suggestion box. So Yearsley decided it was going to put a suggestion box on the on the loading bay. And this was a place where you could earn money, I can't remember, call it a tenner in your wage, whatever it was, you could earn money by coming up with suggestions. Anyway, I spent most of my time putting stuff in the suggestion box. <laughs> And one of those suggestions was that nobody sold their business. Nobody went out and sold storage and distribution space. And I couldn't get my head around why that didn't happen. So I threw that in there. Um, and John Yearsley, who was the managing director at the time, um, he called me up to his office and said, I'm, I'm sick to death now with putting tenors in your age or whatever the number was about this. You've come up with this suggestion. So you better bloody get on with it then, aren't you? Wow. Um, and that was it really. I was thrown a set of car keys and told to crack on. So So who was your first big account that you landed? So goodness, now that's a that's a great one. So I, I remember two vividly happening around the same time. One was a company called Yorkshire Dales Ice Cream. Bloody good ice cream, factory uh, skipped and Tim Wilson was the MD. I'm still in touch with Tim. <laughs> Uh, he's now retired, he's got a farm in North Yorkshire, uh, and his wife Liz, love, lovely people. Um, yeah, that was, a, that, that, was, that was a big account for us. And I think the other one was Gaskill Meats, and that was like minced meat to go into Sainsbury's and places like that. And they were two, two big bits of business that we won. And, and we won because somebody went in and asked for it. You know, that was the, 
So that was that was that was the simplicity by it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And then, so just to do the whole sort of chapter and verse of, of your of your long, long career. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm really, I'm really yes, labouring this I know point. You are. Um, you are making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what would you say was sort of the sort of, was there any sort of particular turning points or highlights or key things besides when you actually started out that you would really point to as sort of things that sort of sort of helped to make you the leader you are today? Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I think uh, it sounds corny, but you know, the things that that really made a difference for us is when we took over Celsius first, and we took over Innovate Logistics. Those things made us a bigger business overnight, and and what they actually did was that we were we were yearsly, we were a set of guys who were all mates who all knew what they were doing, and we integrated with each other. You know, we didn't come outside that bubble. Like the Westminster bubble, but at Rochdale, you know, we we had a Rochdale bubble, and that was our that was our life. Mm. Um, when we actually started taking a couple of businesses over, you got to talk to people who had a different view of life, and that wasn't necessarily that their view was wrong or your view was right. You just had to start to understand, and that that really changed. And, I, and I guess you're going for a similar thing. In a way, sort of funded structurally to, to going into going into the lineage business. Another yes. jump into yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not sure there's lots of differences, but fundamentally, that sort of transition thing is something that you got experience from at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so those two things were, you know, they, they were they, they were personally very big things to us because they were they were they were big in the business, but personally, they were also big as well because it gave us a view of what other people were doing and how other people were acting and all these all these you know new members of, of our team that joined us and and it, it was a, a you know real interesting time half yeah. but interesting yeah um so just 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 um if you weren't you know the successful business coaching leader that you are what would you have been? What's your other alternative career? Superstar DJ would be the. Uh, would I be, knew you were going to say that. I just wanted to give you the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Because actually, you, you spent a lot of time in the early years sort of working by day and DJing by night yeah. in the Manchester in the yeah. sort of 90s. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I you know I I, I love to I love to DJ. It's uh, it, it, it's something I enjoy. Um, it's sort of my rest. It's my downtime. Um, don't really do that much. I just you know spend a lot of time at home these days. Um, but 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 I enjoy that. Um, I would I always hang back to the meat industry in some way, shape, or form. That's been something that's always interested me. Um, I, I, that's where I started out. My family has had a lot of connections within the meat industry, and, and getting sawdust under my feet again would be something that I'd, uh, I'd I'd enjoy. But yeah, I don't I don't know. There's there's lots of jobs there. I think airline pilot might work as well, or you know something like that. Yeah. Um, so just quickly, our last sort of question really is about the federation. So you've been the president of the federation, Cold Chain Federation, since 2016. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and obviously, you were part of the recruitment that led to me coming on board and, and everything else. Um, can you explain why you got involved in the first place and what you were setting out? What you think you were trying to achieve in your time as president? Okay, so you know, so well, this this is a, this is another story, isn't it? <laughs> I always have these little soundbite stories. So so we. We we as yearsly had a had a sort of love hate relationship with, with with the federation and 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 if truth be told we came back into the federation because of the climate change agreement um, and we probably got duped thinking back of it that we became a full member instead of a CCA member because mm-hmm. honestly I think we would probably become a CCA member 
Anyway, that got us to there. Um, so we joined and then we came under pressure to put someone on the board. So Harry very kindly volunteered my good self for that job because he didn't fancy it. So, so I came and spent some time uh, on the board um, at, the, at, the, at the Food Storage and Distribution Federation as it was then. Um, and I probably got to a pivotal point of thinking, what am I doing here? Do I really want to do this? I've got better things to do. Should I leave? Anyway. At that time, it was looking like there was going to be a new president needed because the, the president coming to the end of his term. Um, and the guy who was supposed to be next in line was uh, a gentleman from Brick, Sean Nagus, who, uh, um, and Sean, uh, Shane, sorry, Sean Nagus, isn't it? Sean Nagus, yeah. yeah. He still works for Fowler Welsh now, I think he's like, he left Brake, works for Fowler Welsh, so he's still knocking around the industry. But he was the next in line. But he left Brakes and therefore resigned his position on the board. Um, and I got the tap on the shoulder. And I sort of thought, uh, in probably true my style, you know, I either stop mourning about it and try and do something about it, or I, or I go. And I thought, well, I'll go. Okay, and what were you thinking you could, what do you think the Federation was, needs to do really, I guess we'll put it that way, what do, you, what do you want from a Federation as a member and how, as a president, what do you think you're trying to, we're trying to achieve? So, so for me, Federations need to be there to serve their membership and sometimes what I see and I saw about our Federation is it had lost its way about serving its membership, it had become very government facing but for no real reason. There was no strategy behind that and, and the membership didn't understand what it was trying to achieve. So for me it was really, really clear. It's about you've got to put your members, you know, first and forefront in, in, in what you're doing. And you've got to add value to that membership that they can see that there's there's a reason to belong to a club. And, and that that was that was the you know sort of guiding light that that we needed to achieve. Do you think that we as an industry, and by that I mean the cold chain industry, uh, work together enough to tackle the major challenges that we face? No, I think you know I would imagine this is the same in a lot of industries. Is that we're all guarded by our own secrets because we want a competitive edge. And absolutely, you know, that's the name of the game. Yeah. It, it is to is to be able to do it quicker, faster, better, cheaper than, than, than our competition is to create the USPs. But there are certain things within what we do, the climate, that are such big issues that really we have to tackle them as an industry. So at some point we have to we have to get over ourselves and actually try and collaborate to do the right things. And I think what we would probably say, both of us, given that we do this now 18 months together, that that we are seeing movement on that, aren't we? We are, yeah, yeah. The barriers are starting to come down. Mm. But it takes it takes a lot, you know, it's been a long time building those walls. To bring them down brick by brick is gonna is gonna take time. But I think we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, so do so do I. Um so uh, thank you, Tim. Thank you for the support for me and for the Federation. Thanks for being my first victim. Sorry, interviewee. Um, Tim has been typically modest in some of his answers about the Federation. I can vouch for the instrumental role that you've played in setting the Federation on a new course. And it takes leaders like Tim that appreciate the value of industry collaboration and trade associations and backing up with their pressure, the time that they don't have a lot of um, 
and it makes it possible for people like me and the rest of the team at the Coltrane Federation to do what we do. So thank you for that. So there you have it, folks, the first ever Coltrane Federation podcast. I've certainly enjoyed doing it. I'm keen to get on with meeting more leaders from across the industry. If you have any feedback on this session or ideas for who I should be talking to, please get in touch. Please remember to subscribe to Coltrane Podcast on your favourite podcast platform and look out for announcements of forthcoming interviews in coming days and weeks.